Hello and welcome to the Ken Voices podcast with me, your host, Charlie Gurr. This week in November marks United Nations International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. So I've invited Becky and Philippa from Student Support and Wellbeing who are behind the University Sex Positive Consent campaign. Consent? Get it? Full stop. I was also joined by Charlotte and Megan from the community action group Respect the No, who do great work on spreading awareness of sexual violence and assault and fostering a safer, happier campus. I've had a great time talking to them about healthy relationships, sex and coming into university. We talked about so much, from the intimidating idea that everyone at universities had sex all the time, to certain things we learn in sex education about sex, pleasure and relationships that turn out not to be accurate. They've shared their own experiences and advice, and quite a few hilarious stories. We all hope that you enjoy this episode and that it provides some peace for thought. You might just learn about the initiatives and support at the University of Kent that you weren't aware of. So, without further ado, let's get on with the podcast. Hello, so Becky and Philippa are from the Student Support and Wellbeing at the University. Becky is the Specialist Wellbeing Advisor and Philippa is the Campaign and Project Assistant. Becky and Philippa are currently working on a sex-positive campaign on consent for the university. Hello, how are you doing? Hi. Hello. And I'm also joined by Megan and Charlotte, who are from the community action group Respect and Know. Hello, how are you doing? Hiya, I'm good. So the first thing we'll be talking about uh, is having sex for the first time, what uh, kind of pressures there might have been, what expectations you might have had. Maybe there were some preconceptions. Does anyone uh, want to start with their first point? I'll go. Um, So... One thing that I, that I found in like is sort of a memory from my secondary school days is, is like that's when things started to really, you know, kick off and pick up a bit. That's when the conversation about sex and how it was like such a big thing that you were going to have to start having soon. You know, like it was sort of gradually looming closer. The conversations were getting more and more outlandish. And like, you know, you'd, you'd hear older kids sort of talking about how like, oh, yeah, no, I've had it. I've had it. And you'd hear like, oh, my God, was it good? And they would say that, oh, it was amazing. It felt so good and all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, because you're a kid sort of hearing that stuff, it kind of goes into your brain. Um, but when it actually came to the time when you were like 16 or something and it actually happened, you were expecting like fireworks and, and like this huge thing. And then eventually it just kind of happened. And it really didn't meet my expectations because I was like lying there like, oh, all right then. Um you want to maybe go get some food you know you didn't know how to move on from that like it was just kind of completely went against everything that you had been promised by all of these like six formers and year 11s and stuff I do also remember at least in high school that people would say like it changes you so much and that also kind of puts a lot of pressure especially because when if you think about when you're 15 16 etc you're kind of really hoping for that moment when you'll become an adult and you're so grown up and mature so that also, I don't know, I remember that being a big thing um, when I was younger. Um, going off what Philippa just said, the expectation of being changed or being different after having sex for the very first time is something that I really resonate with because I did feel a change, um, but not the one that I was sort of led to believe would happen, you know, that everything would be different and sparkly and, and that much better. I felt a bit sad and empty, like I wasn't really the same person I was before the sex, which I now realise and have since identified and blamed upon the concept of virginity and the whole losing your virginity as, as a phrase, because that was so ingrained to me during teen, my teenage years and, and school as well. It's something you hear frequently throughout the halls. And 
I didn't realize how much of a loss of sense of self I would feel afterwards. And I took me a long time to realize that this wasn't actually about me. It was about how I'd been conditioned by the media, by my peers, by whoever, that I would be lesser than for having the sex. Whereas we're, we've seen in media and, and in other conversations that sometimes men on the opposite side of the coin are actually praised and lauded and applauded for having sex for the very first time. Whereas I feel that personally that oftentimes young girls are meant to feel a sort of shame and embarrassment about it, which was certainly my case personally. Yeah, the, the thing I wanted to add in here is it was about, you know, when, when you are that age, you know, uh, certainly when I was at school, everyone was saying that they were doing it. They might not necessarily have actually been doing it. Um, and I think as well, the idea of, of um, the reality of that being romanticized somehow and that it that everyone knows exactly what they're doing everyone knows exactly how to do it and that it's not going to be awkward and that there might be soft lighting and all that sort of thing and it's you know I just I don't think that's the reality and I think it's in, it, the same as everything else that you have to learn how to do these things and so it's not it's not necessarily going to be good and that's all right because it's a learning process but it should be a safe environment um for people to do that and I think porn doesn't help um give expectations of what 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 sex can be and should be um and so yeah I think it's it's all right if it's awkward it's all right if it's uh, not great but it should always be people should always feel safe in that environment on that note too like intimacy and communication do help a lot to make it better and that's something that perhaps people when they're young and first starting and have these expectations that it should be something that kind of comes off naturally and you just know exactly what you're doing doesn't really help. And that's potentially why Megan had such a, I don't want to say disappointing, but potentially disappointing experience. It's because you you think it will just come off naturally, um, but actually it takes a, a lot more. It takes being able to be intimate with someone and also not necessarily confident, but communicate um, throughout the entire activity. I think that's also something that schools have a lot to answer for and the education system as well, because in my recent experience, sex education in school is very um, ticking boxes, uh, right? You know what a period is, you know what basic uh, vaginal intercourse is, and that's your lot. And that's all you really get taught, and that's it. Conversations and topics like communication is something that's never even discussed because schools don't really want to be thinking about the intricacies and the nitty gritty bits. But if you were to tell you know, young teenagers that it's all right to ask for things and communicate and say, actually, I don't like this or I do like this or how about not that? Let's try it this other way. Because it took me a long time to realise that actually I, I have a, I'm a player in this game. I have a, a voice I can use to say, oh, actually, let's do it this other way. We can help children younger learn that faster. I think we would avoid a lot of the issues and problems that arise with consent and and certain things around that area as time goes on. Charlotte, I just wanted to pick up on what you were saying, that certainly until probably very recently, there we only really get taught about, um, you know, heterosexual sex. We don't get taught, told about, about other types of sex and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think there are many other different things that, that can happen and people go into that and not really know what they're doing. I think also something that is like integral to keep in mind when it comes to teaching about sexual education and stuff in, in schools was that I remember actually not even being taught about sexual in intercourse so I actually went to a 
Christian primary school and I don't remember doing it very much in secondary school either but when I was in primary school we were just taught okay you're gonna get a period here's a pad good luck like that's all I was taught that's all I remember uh we never even sort of branched the topic of intercourse you know it was almost like it was a taboo thing but you see the thing that I think is so like a positive about the time that we're in now is that there are so many more pieces of sex positive media and like sex positive things online like for the consumption of younger people that you know they're not just going to get all of the quote-unquote education from pornography or anything they're gonna see tv shows that kind of make it look normal and awkward you know you've got like the british tv show sex education on netflix you've even got big mouth which is like an animated tv show which is all about like middle schoolers in america um getting to grips with their own body and yeah it can make some people uncomfortable but it's just because it's such like a different subject and such a different genre that people aren't used to and it's very accurate it's awkward it's gross at times and i feel like the age that we have now with more sex positive media more sex positive influencers you know especially like more influence and like attention given to uh the fact that things are just like heteronormative and the fact that we're trying to change that is just so important on the note of sex education i think I, I lived in America for eight years and I received my first bit of sex education over there and it was in a Catholic school. Um, so there was, it was abstinence I was taught, um, which is, I always find quite ironic because uh, schools that teach abstinence, as is mentioned in sex education this season, um, have higher rates of teenage pregnancy than schools who teach a uh, healthy and a wide range of uh, sex education and, and offer information about contraceptions and things. Um, but something that's quite funny, and I do like telling people, is that I was taught my sex education in America at this Catholic school by my boyfriend's mother at the time. So that was a very fun two hour class um, of putting condoms or bananas in front of her. And then I had to go over to her son's house afterwards. So that was quite, uh, that was quite a horrific memory. I won't, I won't live down for a very long time, but I just thought I'd share that. That is quite funny. And I do not want to make it sound like we're trying to promote sex education like like we're doing advertising for them but it is a really good show and it does bring up a lot of those conversations and whilst we're on an international kind of conversation about what sex education is like in different countries I actually um in Portugal there is absolutely nothing nothing like there is not even abstinence you just don't talk about it at all and I remember so vividly when we learn about like the reproductory system like boys and girls were put into different classrooms and that was it so I didn't actually even learn about anything from you know male biology at all um actually I do have one um <laughs> I clearly I've had very terrible luck in these things um that not that same boyfriend different boyfriend when I then moved back to England and it was that time in secondary school that Megan said everyone's talking about it everyone's saying they're doing it da 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 and it got to the point where right, I was like, okay, this is happening, it's happening. Um, and I was at my boyfriend's house at the time, getting to it, getting getting started. And I <laughs> I knocked my head on his bed frame and I knocked myself out. <laughs> so it didn't happen then because I was unconscious on his floor. Um, and his mother had to come and help me. So that was another low point. I really don't have the best luck, clearly. I don't know how I'm still here today, but that was equally mortifying. 
weirdly related to your banana and condom story, Charlotte, I also have um, an example of a, a stupid story. Um, and it's actually about how my mum found out that I was having sex. Um, so I was 16. I'd just come back from running festival with my boyfriend and I dumped my hold on the living room floor. I'd gone upstairs to go shower, like all the dirt and grime off of me. I came down there and found my hold slightly open. Now, you know, as a teenager, you're going to be a little bit secretive about what you've got in your bag, you know, but this time I actually had a reason to be. Um, I looked in and I found my little pink wash bag that had been opened and my packet of condoms was missing. And I was like, oh my God, where are they? Where have they gone? And then I hear my little sister, Molly is her name, go up to my mum and say, mummy, can you plant these balloons? I wish I was kidding. I absolutely wish. And I just hear my mum slowly turn around because I can hear like the, the heel of her boots like turn on the wood floor. And I run into the kitchen and no, it's not balloons. I, I had a, a moment of hope where I was like, oh, maybe she did find balloons. Maybe they managed to get to my back. No, it was a six pack of Durex. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Okay. So then she asked me what this was. And I was like, well, what do you think it is? <laughs> and she was like, you know what I mean? I'm like, no, I don't. I don't know what you want me to say. Um, and she asked me if I was having sex and I said yes uh, and she was about to get very angry at me and then I responded but at least I'm having it safely look you're holding condoms it's so funny isn't it like in terms of having conversations about sex when you're younger and stuff and it's like it it seems so embarrassing and obviously it is when you're talking about parents but like I wonder if that's there's something to that about how embarrassing it is and it's definitely like um certainly worse in in it's like a British prudish thing you know that nobody wants to talk about it but I wonder if that is slowly changing but I, I wonder sometimes in terms of when we're talking about consent that like wouldn't it be great if we could just talk openly about it because I think it would make the idea of seeking consent and and actually engaging in sex so much more open and free so people can talk about when it goes wrong or when it is not very <laughs> good wouldn't it be good if it was a bit less embarrassing yeah definitely the entire stigma around sex then kind of ends up having really bad repercussions like the one Megan could not know about condoms say and that would be a problem and the same thing with consent people end up not talking about it and not even understanding what it actually is what it entails or no like good tips on how to get it or how to make it less awkward those kind of conversations would be so beneficial for so many people and we end up not having them because there's this stigma around this entire topic. I think that can actually be traced back to pornography in a sense because when teenagers and younger people are consuming pornography there's never ever well for the vast majority of the time uh, the moment where the man asks to take off the woman's shirt or he asks to kiss her whatever or touch this and if there was maybe if there was pornography that was exhibiting healthy communication and consent which needs to be enthusiastic verbal and continuous if that was shown through good pornography if there can be such a thing that's a bit of an oxymoron that might actually change things but the fact that a vast majority of porn is is aggressive and violent and actually does 
aspects of sexuality like the BDSM community a great deal of disservice because people who then watch that can, and consume that uh, misconstrue completely how communication during sex should be. It shouldn't be perfect and, you know, you know exactly what to do and exactly what your partner wants. Sweep them off their feet and, and start doing all of, all of the motions. You need to ask them what they like, how they like it, and when would they like to start and stop? Because that's, if you don't do that, then the sex won't be good and fun and enjoyable for, for both parties. I was literally just about to say that, Charlotte. It's about like the way it's represented too, and not just pornography, but also um, TV shows. And like so often you see these couple just like suddenly start like doing all of this stuff without any communication at all. And I think that's kind of like not how it actually happens oftentimes. So those kind of representation, again, sex education <laughs> does a great job in having those conversations and kind of showing all the steps of everything and different relationships between people. Yeah, definitely agree with you. And talking about, you know, like bringing up BDSM and stuff, I feel like in modern times, it's become less taboo and less stigmatized, I think, just because, you know, people on the internet are sort of so open about having these kinds of relationships and stuff, and, you know, all the power to them. It's, it's lovely to see. But one thing that I think is like really prevalent, unfortunately, is when people sort of try to use BDSM practices and that sort of stuff as a justification for abusive behaviours. And that's something that we've started to see a little bit more because more people have been more open about their experiences. We're both going to get like the positive of like, yeah, no, this is exactly what I like. This is what gets me off. And like the negative experiences of, hey, this guy used it as an excuse to sort of make my life hell for, you know, like a few months. And he sort of chalked it up to like this this thing that I now just can't go near because of him. And I feel like while we've come like a really good way forward in progression and sort of being more open with these things, but you need to sort of ask like how far can sex education go? Does it just stop at like con more conventional sex, the normative sex? Or do we also start to talk about things to look out for when you are in a BDSM relationship, how do you know whether it is healthy? How do you know whether it is entirely safe, sane, and consensual? More pieces of media, maybe, or might more influences in of the scene, maybe need to sort of come forward or like anything kind of like that. There is a show on YouTube that deals with both LGBT relationships and um, safe BDSM relationships. They are called What's the Safe Word? They are amazing their names are pup amp and daddy his name is christopher weston in real life they are incredibly sex positive they you know they don't shame anyone they explore different kinks they explore what to look for what not to look for what to avoid what's a red flag they do on they do like these silly little wish hauls of um wish sex toys and stuff and say hey if you're going to do this do this safely don't order it from the site so pieces of media and media consumption like that would be so helpful and hopefully like preventing or like drawing awareness to these kinds of relationships that are preying upon the people in this BDSM community. I just wondered if I could come in here as well talking about um, the idea that there is so much emphasis on sex within with other people and, and I don't think we are yet talking about sex with yourself and like I think that is a real great way of exploring what it is you like, what it is you don't like. And it also encourages certainly 
women and femmes and things like that to to put their own pleasure first I think because we live in a society that primarily through porn and things like that doesn't and so yeah I think we're we're getting a bit less prudish about talking about stuff like that and I think that's a good thing really. So we mentioned about uh, sort of sex education within primary school, secondary school, and perhaps expectations and experiences that people have had. And obviously sort of years on, when sort of in like a university setting uh, at the moment, how do you all feel about uh, how sex is represented within university? What kind of things are out there in terms of support? How do you think sort of preconceptions have maybe changed? How would you say things have sort of transitioned as people have come to university? Well, I mean, it's kind of similar to the secondary school sex first time experience thing you know you hear all these people talking about university and how again it's portrayed in media as being like this place where all you do is just like have sex everyone's having sex with each other you know people can't like take their hands off each other but then you actually go to university and then suddenly it's like where are all the people having sex I must say like in, in like the first term of the first year I would be so lucky as to meet any of like my corridor mates let alone have like wild hookups, you know? The first time that I met any of my corridor mates, he was my next door neighbor who is actually now my boyfriend. So I don't know how I managed to do that one. He met me when I had a face mask on, I had star footy pajamas on, and I was getting ready for my first lecture on a Monday morning. I don't think it was exactly the sexual haven that people made it out to be. Again, it's kind of one of those things where you expect these wonderful things and it's like, oh yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm going to get so much. And you actually go there and it's like, wow, everyone is just so introverted, myself included. It was one of the things I was actually kind of worried about, you know, coming here. I was like, I'm not into that kind of thing. I don't really want to do that. Like, what if people sort of make me feel like the odd one out? And then, you know, I'm now in my third year. I'm like, yeah, no, I feel like if you come here purposefully with that, one idea in mind you are going to be severely let down my friend I think much like any other aspect of university you know the greatest piece of advice I think anyone's ever given me and I know I hear it all the time is university is what you make of it and I think on some level the same can be said of uh, sex and relationships at university is what you make of it if you want to come here and have an absolutely wild time and meet and get with as many people as you want to go for it you can and you can do it safely and enjoyably and and that's fine and brilliant it all if you want to find someone you really really like and get into a relationship I've had friends who met someone in first year who are now in their fourth years still with the same person and they are very happy and content and I'm in the position to have said I've done both and it's both are fun both are enjoyable and I don't think you should shame anyone for doing one or the other or neither if you want to go out and have sex with as many people as you want to I think there are the services at university that can help and guide you to do that very safely. We have the nurse's office here that provides emergency contraception and things that I know me and a few of my friends have made use of, as well as uh, Get It, the free condom service. And so I think there is the space to be safe and have a lot of fun if you so choose. But I do agree with Megan that I arrived here thinking that everybody under the sun will just be doing it 24 7 and it took me a while to realize oh wow that's not the case because there is actually other stuff going on we are here to get degrees so we are a little bit busy but then on the flip side of that if you want to go and do that you absolutely can and you feel very safe and, and looked after certainly by a health perspective by the university I think as well like in terms of thinking about you and your relationship with sex and if you're reflecting with yourself if you are having sex with people and you're enjoying it then great 
if you're having sex with people and you're not enjoying it or you're a bit worried about about some of the behaviors you, you've got then there is also student support and well-being and i'm always up for having a conversation and helping people about with things like that and if you're not having it but you want to be having it then just know that there's probably a million other people at uni who are also not doing it despite what they might be talking about they always say don't they the, the people who are talking about it the most are usually having it the least so it's worth thinking about that but yeah do do come to student support and well-being if if you want to have a chat about any of that so following from what becky was saying about you know there's a lot of support and there's also a bit of pressure that I think when you come into university and, and that pressure and shame kind of builds up, especially if there's this kind of perception that if you're a woman and you're going out, that means you kind of are going out because you want that. You want to have sex and you want to have hookups and, and whatever. So I, I do think that has an extra layer of pressure, the kind of assumption people make when you're out and about. Um, don't know if anyone has ever felt that, but I know it's something that I've definitely experienced. I would definitely agree. That's part of the sort of the shock I felt at, at university nightlife that by going out to a club, it's assumed that you're going out to hook up, to get with someone, to bring someone home or go to someone's house. And or at least in my experience, if you were to turn someone down for that reason or, or for not wanting to do that, uh, there are sometimes not nice repercussions. And that if you're a female presenting person in the club, at least from my experience, your body and your space is usually invaded and viewed as property by all of those other club goers because it's assumed that you're there for sex and there for hookups and there for bodily reasons ergo your body then becomes sort of the property of the club and that's how groping and flashing and all of these horrible things happen in clubs because it's assumed that because you're there that's what you want and again that's where consent comes in and a lack of consent and a lack of communication and talking about this outside of nightclubs that's why we need to have that so having those conversations is extremely important and I think we have a responsibility to help one another as university students because like we said previously we're all in the same boat we are all wondering if everybody else is having sex what everyone else is doing and to be able to talk with people and express those sort of worries and anxieties and realize you're not alone and feeling that apprehension can really put people's minds at ease and that's why respect the no as a community action group is not only a society but just a group of people who can talk and discuss things like this and put your mind at ease when it comes to thinking about sex culture and hookup culture at uni, that you're not alone in feeling a bit uncomfortable or a bit unsure of yourself. So having those conversations with people who are going through the same thing is, is really important and respect the no as a society, um, as a, like, like a peer support group, we offer anonymous and confidential support, which our chief wellbeing officer, Megan, can talk to you about now. Yeah, so just what Charlotte said, um, my name is Megan. I'm one of the wellbeing officers. I'm the chief wellbeing officer at Respect the No. Um, so I'm one of the people that you will speak to if you reach out to us, uh, either anonymously or, you know, with your full contact details. We're always happy to help you go through the correct channels as a way to get either support, whether it be like medical advice or support on how to uh, handle something that happened to you, like emotionally, psychologically, maybe even physically. Or if you do want to go through the re reporting process, we will make sure that, you know, you have the support that you need. You have all of the items that you need you know and if it did happen on campus and you do want to report it via security that someone will come with you and sit with you in the room while you make out your report we are so strong on peer support we just want to make sure that everyone has a group that they know that they can 
go to that they can talk to it's like a completely supportive environment that we want to create for you guys so if you do want to contact us we do have an uh, instagram page which is most likely the quickest way to get in contact with us um so our instagram handle is ukc respect the no that is ukc respect the no um, and if you go onto that page, you can send us a message. Someone will answer you. If you also look on our page, we have a beacons link that has all of the links to an anonymous message board in which you can confess things anonymously. Say, for instance, if something happened to you, but you don't want anyone to know that, like who you are, that's completely fine. Someone will have a look at that as well. So that's a, a really good way to get in touch with people with whom we can talk to. And also social media can also be quite fruitful in terms of having these conversations and getting the conversation going and, and putting messages out there for people when they feel like they they either did something wrong or I'm thinking about, for instance, sending nudes and, and consent when it comes to that. Um, you can find really, obviously be careful with <laughs> not everything you see on Instagram and social media is true or even the best advice, but it's a good way to get messages uh, circulating. So for instance, part of my campaign with Becky, consent, get it full stop, that's the name of our campaign, is making sure there are sex positive messages out there for students that are student friendly and, and do kind of emphasize that first of all, consent is important in all kinds of sexual activities. And it actually goes beyond sex, to be honest, um, but also that there is a huge range of support available, both peer support, and that's what Respect and I was here for, peer support and events and, you know, just meeting people with similar interests, but also the professional support that student support well-being offer mainly through Becky. Part of this is also putting together some events later on in the year to make sure that people can come and talk to us and have these conversations without feeling any shame. So in terms of, of, of seeking support from student support and wellbeing, as, as Philippa said, you know, there is the, the peer aspect from Respect the No, but then there is, there's me too. So working within student support and wellbeing, I have lots of links with people in the university. So we have a counselling team. We also have really good links with the local rape crisis centre. So if, if something has gone wrong or you are in a situation where you, you are, need to seek support, then come and speak to us. And I can also talk you through reporting options as well if something has gone wrong and that's something that you, you want to, to formalise. And, you know, a message I'd really like to get across here is that there is no shame in not knowing when it comes to sex, when it comes to healthy relationships, when it comes to consent. And like, really, there isn't asking people questions and um, asking your peers, asking professionals. There is absolutely no shame. And um, we've actually created this really concise and straightforward page uh, for all students at the University of Kent, where they can just see and, and read about how they can get consent and ensure they have it in a very like straightforward way that kind of makes it less awkward perhaps even sexy we hope it kind of does make it sexy because I do think it is and making sure your partner is enjoying what you're doing and so on is sexy so we've put together this really concise page with not too much information because there isn't that much to it but that will help people have these conversations and also get some information that they wouldn't otherwise so if you look up consent get it full stop it should show up um, within the University of Kent website and also report and support which is our new tool um, has loads of information on sexual assault, harassment, uh, sexual misconduct, and also how to get support and how to report if it, should anything ever happen to you. Um, once you report, you can either do it anonymously or you can make a name report. And 
if you do name yourself and you identify yourself, then you will get the support and needed and Becky will get in touch with you and ask you if you want to meet up for a chat and, and she will talk you through your options and all that. So it's a very useful tool because not only it has information on the different kinds of incidents, but it also has information on external support, internal support. And also it's a great way to stay in touch with us and keep up to date to our campaign and everything that we're planning for you. Because what the university really wants is to, we want to ensure that you know what the procedures are, the expectations and the actions the university takes. Also, we want to be quite transparent with students about the approach and the way we respond to sexual assault and harassment. And we also want you to really know how to get support, what is out there for you, um, and all that kind of information. So we're really trying to make it as transparent as possible for our students. So as you can send, get it full stop. Uh, so thank you very much, everyone, for coming onto the pododcast to talk about a wide range of different topics. And hopefully people have found it useful, whatever situation you might be going through. And if you do need support of any kind, then the Student Support and Wellbeing Services and the Respect the Know are also two key things that you can use in order to seek support and help with that. But thank you everyone for coming on. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. The only thing that I could sort of mention is that we're always here 24-7. If you need us, feel free to message us. Someone will always answer. And also, if you see something, say something. That's a key message to put up there. Um, don't be a bystander make sure you do stand up for people and your mates if they're going through anything or if you see any situations that are wrong we all have to do our bit unfortunately that's all we have time for on this episode of kent voices this podcast was brought to you by student services at the university of kent for more information visit www.kent.ac.uk forward slash student services